been working our way slowly kind of through Matthew, and, and you guys know this, this is crazy. We're four, this counting today, four Sundays away from Matthew being finished. Unbelievable, right? That's amazing. Um, but uh, one of the sections we've been doing is we've been spending some time talking specifically through uh, the second coming of Jesus. And we've been, I've been challenging you guys to, to understand that there are a lot of end time kind of beliefs and, and realistically that main point, the purpose isn't necessarily which ism or is do you believe, but, but the fact that Jesus is coming. And the, this is a section, it's a unique section that's kind of wedged in a, in a really interesting spot because it's right after Jesus has spent a number of discussions with the Pharisees and the religious leaders kind of denouncing them and what they've done in the religious system that they've been following. And then now this is a, a series of answers that Jesus gave to the disciples on an individual basis. It's, it's a question that they had asked of Jesus. In fact, two questions. They asked specifically, when, when, are, the, when are the signs of the end coming, the signs of the edge of him coming back as well? It's one, one question. The other one was, when, is, when are these things going to take place with the temple that you talked about? And so Jesus spent, and we've, we spent the last few weeks talking about a lot of things that we can look at as to whether or not it's the temple specifically or, or his second coming and we've kind of navigated and worked through that. Well, last week, we kind of turned the corner because Jesus changes his, his direction from, from this is where, um, this is what it's going to be like, this is what it's going to look like, to what's expected of you. And last week, I challenged you, the, the you that is, is the disciples, those that profess to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. And this week, this is a, this is a, a text that honestly is, is it's a little bit more difficult for us to stomach. And, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stigma behind this text. And so we're going we're gonna to dive into it. I'm going to challenge you guys to, to let the, the Spirit of God convict, but not, not shame or condemn you. Um, and, and ask that you guys would, if you have any kind of predispositions or, or ideas about when we start talking about the, the parable and where we're at and, and discussing these things that maybe have been ill thought patterns in the past, that you would take those thoughts captive and just allow God to speak to you today. It's, it's, a, it's, it's our commitment to continue to speak to preach through the scriptures and to not to not run from them when they get difficult or hard, and so we're gonna we're gonna just share what Jesus is sharing. And this is a this is a v- very difficult um, set of scripture that we have um, as a church maybe shied away from or tried to pull other ideas out of it. But it's a it's a very clear um, picture of what Jesus is expecting of those that would profess to follow him in this time between him coming back and when he left. And so we have to we have to navigate that. So if you have your Bibles, turn. To, to Matthew chapter 25. Um, verse 14 is where we're going to pick up. So he starts it with four. We're going to stop right there. Four. <laughs> he just goes right in. Verse, uh, verse 1 in chapter 25 says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like. And he goes into these ten versions, parable that we covered last week. This is, the four is, is still tied to the kingdom of heaven. So what Jesus is sharing right now is tied to the kingdom of heaven. So he's saying the kingdom of heaven. Four, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two, two talents more. 
His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have, you have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I didn't have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a unique uh, parable because a, a lot of times we've, we've tried to, to define this specifically and, and work this specifically around the idea of, um, of this being talents, meaning like I am talented at. I have, I have the ability to do this with this talent. And, and maybe it's, it's you're, you're above average in something. So I'm a, I'm a talented musician or I'm a talented artist or I'm a talented this. It's always someone that is, is higher than the average level and that's where we've used it. Now, we get our actual English word talent like this is a talent from this Greek word here. So it's not a leap to take that from the text here. It's not a leap for us to go, okay, well this is obviously talking about the talents we have. But in the, in the New Testament and in, in Jesus' day and in the kingdom here, every single bit of person would understand that talent was a weight. A talent was a weight of something usually tied to money. A talent was the largest sum of, of, uh, of a, a monetary value. So it would be a talent of gold or a talent of, of silver, or a talent of copper, whatever it may be. We don't know what he's talking about here, but it's a, a large, large, large sum. In fact, if it was in the, just in a denarii, which was a, a day's wage or so, they estimate that a talent would have been 15 years worth of labor's wage. Just one talent. So a lot of money is what they're saying this is. Now, we don't know specifically what it, it, like what it was, whether it was gold or silver, but we know that specifically in this parable, this master is incredibly wealthy. And I, I told you last week, I challenged you last week with the idea of parables. Sometimes we can overdefine them. Sometimes we can try and take meaning out of them in ways in which we weren't supposed to because a parable is just a laying aside the truth. In this parable, it's, it's very easy for us to understand a couple things. First off, that the master is in relation to Jesus in talking about the kingdom of heaven because we know that. He said that. And the idea is that, that the master, so we can take from a few characters, and the master is going to leave for a time, but then he's going to come back and he's asking us to settle his accounts. He's going to ask for what was, what was his and, and done with the stuff that he had given we also know something really, really unique about this is that, that the, the individuals that the talents came to, the one with the five talents, was obviously someone that had proven trustworthy to the master prior to this setting. So for him to give five talents, now think about it this way. He's giving him money for a journey that he's going to go on on a very long distance. He's giving him money, an amount of money that that servant, is a bond, where we get the word bond servant, the apostle Paul identifies himself as a bond servant to Jesus, a bondservant was someone that had been a servant, done his time, and was then free to go, but believed living with his master was better, so willingly enslaved himself as the bondservant of the household. And so these, these servants have been with him long enough that he was get willing to give him like two and a half, three and a half lifetimes of money in one setting. A huge, huge sum of money. And then we, we know specifically in, in this parable that that 
the individual that received five, similar to the one that received two, went away immediately and worked. The, the one receiving one still received half of their lifetime of wage in one sitting. So they're given a lot of money, and the master's gone. Now, I'm a guy, and so I like trying to put things together without looking at the instructions. I don't know why. It's just like it's in me. I think it's like a manhood test or something, you know? Like if I can figure out getting something put together without the instructions, it's like I win. If I don't, it's like head hung, like, ah, it beat me. I should have looked at the instructions at the beginning, you know? But there's an underwhelming amount of instructions from the master here. Did you notice that? The master doesn't, the master doesn't say, okay, now what you're going to want to do, Mr. Five Talents, dude, you're going to go see a guy named Guido down in the market, okay? He's a good dude, but he's a little shysty, but you never know what's going to happen. He doesn't give any instructions. He just says, here's the money, invest it, go and do this. And so that means you can learn two things about that. First off is that the master knew the individuals very well. He had to know them extremely well on the front end because of the difference of the amounts of money given to each one. We don't like this because we believe like in fairness and equality, right? Like how dare he gives five to one and two to another and one to this person. Like that's so unequal and unfair. But the master knew them well enough to say, this person has proven to be wise, and therefore I'm going to give him five. This person has proven to be, to be wise, I'm going to give him two. And this person has proven to be wise at a little, so I'm going to give them one. And so each of the distribution we know is, is because the master knows the individual well. The other thing we can also presume from this, since there is no instructions, is that each of the individuals knew what they ought to do with the money. Each of them had an idea. They knew it. It's not like they looked at this money and, oh, man, like, what do I do with this? You know, I don't know. He left his money. It's so, so ambiguous, you know. What do I do? I don't know. Like, they knew specifically that their job was to keep the household moving, which was, as, as a parable, Jesus would always use stories that made sense to them in that setting. And sometimes there were extreme examples and, and sarcasm and stuff like that that comes into them. But ultimately, this was a story that makes sense. If, if a landowner or a master had left for a long time, he still needed to continue to do business. And so he would entrust these things to these individuals. The other thing that's really, really unique about this is that we know that every single individual and every single penny in this story belongs to the master. Did you ever ever think about that? Like each of these servants, they they belonged to the master. So it wasn't like he had brought someone in from outside and like, hey, hey, let's let's call in that really good investor friend so-and-so. No, this is is an individual that he essentially had owned and said, I'm going to ask this of you. And so we have this, this really unique story where it, it, at the end, it seems almost like Jesus is a bit harsh. Like you want to celebrate with the talents, like, oh man, that person doubled, well done, good and faithful servant. But then at the same time, it seems like he's a bit merciless. Hey, whoa, whoa like outer darkness, like, whoa, what are you doing here, Jesus? And there's this, there's this unique thing going. And I think what might actually help with this is, is, is an illustration. So, so can someone give me 50 bucks? Can I have 50 bucks? Oh, well, thank you, Ben. <laughs> oh, you're so dynamic in that. Thank you. Awesome. Wow, $50. Thank you. So Ben just gave me $50. Actually, it, it's like, who carries a $50 bill around? No. Probably because I gave it to him right before we started. and said, hey, when I ask for $50, give this to me. Okay, so this, so, <laughs> so, so this is actually my 50 Actually, it's not. It's Emily's $50 bill, but she gave it to me for an illustration. So this is Emily's $50 bill that I gave to Ben to give to me. And what happened here is, is specifically what's going on in this, in this parable is that God is calling into account all of which that is his. We can, we can easily identify the master in this as Jesus because of the idea that he's going to be gone for a distance. He's going to be gone. And so there's this picture in this parable. Okay, the, the master leaves. Jesus leaves. And what, is, what do we do between the, the him being here and the him coming back? How do we, how do we operate in that level? And so, we, so we, can, we can work at it in that way. But, 
But ultimately, what each of those individuals should know, what we should understand today, is that every single thing was his. Now, if I had asked for that $50 and Ben, between me giving it to him, and had gone out and bought some coffee, he's like, dude, I got some coffee. And, um, you know, the, the barista was, was she was kind of cute, so I tipped her a little bit more than I should have. And so, so here's $34.56, which if you know Ben, that's not a far-fetched tale, okay? No. <laughs> but, but either way, so the, 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 if he'd come out and said, here's $34, well, what he had just done is, is taken money from me that I had said, hey, I want this back, and he had used it for his own purposes. And so he had pulled out of what wasn't his, which really he owes Emily then, if that's the case, not me, because it's not mine either. But, but this is the picture that we have here. And, and as much as we've tried to use this text in regards to talents or time or individuals' um, space, Jesus is talking specifically about money and how we steward money. And he applies this very, very, like, uniquely in the middle of, of just completely obliterating the Pharisees and, and, and religious leaders to just about to be crucified on the cross. And this is where he imparts this truth to his disciples. And so we have this really unique thing in the middle. We, we see the kind of the, the moment at coming where these individuals come and the, the five-talent person, it's not that they're bragging, like, look, hey, you gave me five and look what I did with it. But what they're saying is, is, is you gave me five and I turned those five into ten. And Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. These are the things that most of us at a coffee shop at one point have said in some hypothetical way. I hope to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We, we've, 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 like if you've been around Jesus at all for a little bit of time, you've maybe thought that or prayed for that or uttered that or desired to, to hear those very words out of our Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. That, that actually is an expression that approves both of the character and the diligence and their faithfulness. So that, that well done, good and faithful servant, that is, a, that is a really, really unique thing to hear. All that being said, he tells this person this. Now what's unique is this, the person with the two talents comes up and he says the exact same thing to him. Now I don't know how the scenario played out, but I kind of picture it like this. The, the, he calls the servants and says, hey, hey, Joe, Bob, and, and, and Dave, whatever your names are, right? You come in here. He brings them in and he says, okay, look, guys, here's this. And it would be a wall of money. I mean, like lots of money. A talent was a huge chunk of money. Like not something they're like, oh, let me put that in my pocket. Here we go. Can you write me a check, please? That's a little heavy right now. No, that's like this was a, a massive amount of money. And here's this huge, large pile. He's like, okay, Joe, whatever your name was. I can't remember now. Joe, this is yours now. And so he gives it to this individual over here. And then he, he calls up the next one and says, and the two are yours and the one is yours. Now, if any of us were in that setting, it'd be really easy, like kind of, you know, elementary days, getting picked last at dodgeball, right? You're like, man, kickball? I wasn't, I wasn't that bad of a kickball player. Like, why is, why is Joe getting picked before me? It'd be really easy for us to go, okay, well, why does he get more? Why, why does this person get more? And why does this person get less? And, and why do I get the least? And we see ultimately in this story that what ends up happening is that is actually taken root in the one talent individual. In the one talent individual, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't do anything with the money. In fact, he digs a hole, which seems weird to us, but rabbis taught that the safest place for money was actually in the crown. So this was a, this was a thing that made sense to a first century Jew. He digs a hole puts the money in it and buries it because that's the safest spot. And his, his inclination is, if it's in the hole, I won't lose anything and, and I'm afraid of my master and therefore he gets, he gets what was his rightly back and I don't have to worry about it. 
And we don't know in the timeline with the five talent or the two talent individual. I don't. We, it's not like they went out and traded one time. It's like, sweet, I doubled it. And they sat down the rest of the time. The understanding would have been that they would have spent a lot of time over and over again over this distance working to invest this money into more and more and more. Not like they did it. Maybe one time they made more and one time they lost some and, and maybe they worked their way up. But that's ultimately what would happen. It wasn't like they just did it at one point. We know that the one talent person Depending upon when this time of season was and how hard the ground was, I mean, maybe a few hours of time, digging a hole, find a good spot, burying it, and then for the rest of the time, wasn't doing anything that the master had set him to do. Didn't literally do anything. And so, so what do we do with a story like this? Well, there's a number of things that come out of this that are so unique to me. First off, why would Jesus condemn the one-talent person to, I mean, Matthew's de- definition, outer darkness and weeping and gnashing is, is eternal torment, eternal separation from God. So it's his, it's, his, it's his way to say hell. So why is this, this individual, because he's just a poor investor? Man, talk about a, a loan shark, right? Like, man, geez, seems kind of harsh, but, but there's more going on there. See, what's unique about this is, is the same reason why I gave this illustration of the $50 bill. If Ben had told me, hey, Bren, I really want to give that back to you. I know it's yours, and that's great, but I just have other things I want to use it for. Every single one of you would say, Ben, you, you can't do that. That's Bren's money. But yet, in our life, that's exactly what we do with God's kingdom purposes, with God's stuff. We, we do this over and over again in money. We do this actual in talents. So things that God has given us to use for his kingdom, we do this in our time. And honestly, we, we, like in our suffering, we continually try and make it all about my kingdom and my stuff and my way when all of that is set in motion in place for his kingdom and his work and his purposes. And the biggest issue that we have out of this is this, is that our view, yours and my view, of who God is will dictate what we do with his stuff. See, if we view God as a harsh or unjust person, you know, you know what's unique? It's in verse 26, when he says that you, are, you called me a hard man, he, he calls him a hard man and says you reap and sow where you do not, do not go, he drops the whole hard, takes that out because that, that carries with an unjust. He says, if you know that I did this, then why wouldn't you have just put this in the bankers, in the money changers? Why wouldn't you give it to the money changers? At least then I would have had interest on it. If you knew this about me, and what he's doing is he's, he's peeling back that that's not even the reason why he didn't invest it. He, he didn't invest it because he was afraid that, that the boss would be mad at him. He invested because he has a very unclear and unhealthy and, and incorrect view of who his master is, which is our issue. See, if we, if, we, if we don't understand who God is, if we aren't aware of the fact that he is good and that it's all his and we're here for his purposes— then we continue to grab this stuff tighter and tighter and tighter and hold back and worry and anxious. I don't know. I don't want to lose anything. I, get, I am scared. And we, we reel back. And that's what Jesus is pushing at. In fact, what he's really pushing at, and the reason why I think this individual with the one talent goes away is because he's, he's identifying very quickly that this, this one talent individual is not loyal to God. He's not trusted God with his life because he's proven the opposite. By his actions and the way he lives his life, he's proven that he really doesn't believe that God is good. In fact, my bet is, guys, there's some pride in this. My bet is he was sitting there and he looked over at Joe or Dave or whoever got the extra talents. He's like, man, those punks, they got more money than me. 
The same way you and I do this all the time in our life, right? We look at someone else like, how come they got this? Or why, why is that situation working out for that individual? And we take our eyes off of the fact that we've been given almost a half of our lifetime in money, and we think it's not enough because they got more. Pick on your moms for a second. The whole, like, she's a better mom than me. It's like, stop it. You're, 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 you're assuming that God doesn't know you well enough. He says, no, 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 I, I created you. <laughs> I knit you together in your mother's womb, and I know you intimately. In fact, I know you better than you know you. So what I am entrusting to you is the exact amount that you need right now for my purposes and my kingdom. But when we lose sight of who God is, when we lose sight of what he has already given us, when we lose sight of our purpose on earth for his kingdom, not ours. When we lose sight of that, we pull back. We fear we turn to our, our own talents and our own strengths instead of his. And we recoil. And so what God is saying here is he's saying, this isn't a, like, this isn't some business strategy that Jesus is using, although he's speaking about money. He's talking very specifically about the fact that, that everything that we have is God's. In fact, in case you were wondering, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you're his too. Like you're his, and you're, you're his for his purposes and his kingdom, and his work. The money you have is his money. And yeah, he, he, he allows us to do things. But I think a lot of times we, we look at this and we say, okay, God, of this $50 bill, sorry, Emily, I totally crumpled it up. Um, of this $50 bill, all right, God, what, what of this do you want to give back to you? And we can say a percentage, we can do whatever we want. And it's, <laughs> it needs to be the other way around. It's, okay, God, of this $50, what do you want to keep, what do you want me to keep for me? And the percentages and the, the, the difference may not change at all, but you realize that the, the view changes because I now understand that this is not mine. And I mean, this is really Emily, so it's not mine, guys, okay? But, but this is not mine anyways. This is not my money. This is his. The abilities and the strengths and the skill sets, whether it's musical or, or, or in your brain or a, a, a trade or whatever it may be, that's not yours either. That's God's. He has given you that ability. He has given you the means to pick that up. We have got to shift the way we think. Otherwise, we will never, ever, ever understand exactly what our purpose is here on earth. Our purpose on earth isn't to make much of our kingdom. It's to make much of his. We have to stop thinking about it differently. When Jesus answers them with the whole harsh thing, it's sarcasm. Say, oh, well, if I'm a, such a hard person, then why didn't you just do this? And it seems r r really, really interesting because the whole, those who have a lot more will be given and those who have little, it will be taken from them too. It seems like a really like, whoa, wait, what's he talking about here? This isn't, again, this isn't some business plan of like the rich getting rich and the poor getting poor. That's not what he's talking about here. Uh, God, God may do that with individuals. He may bless more and more to individuals. We see him trusting one individual with five talents of money and another two. He loves them both. The outcome's the same for both. The numbers were different. There's no difference there. But what he's talking about is specifically is that the individuals that have little, it's because they don't have the grace and the peace and the joy of Jesus Christ. They're holding back from it. He's laying down a principle of the spiritual life, a principle of great importance. Anyone who has a talent 
of any kind, okay, a talent of any kind, and fails to use it, by that very fact forfeits it. So if you have a talent, whether it's money or in the more modern sense of, of an ability, and you don't use it, you are forfeiting it. Jesus is saying, ultimately, if it's not used for my kingdom purposes, it's not really going to make much of a difference. And I think that's the problem is that we don't really believe that. We believe that the, the money we have and the abilities we have, we can do some really great things to make a great life for us here. And we forget that the only reason why we have those is for his kingdom purposes. The blessing of a life that is enjoyable and the, to enter in the joy and the happiness of, of God's master, like, yes, that's good, and that's great. But that's not the point. The point is not that. And this is what's so unique is Jesus says this right before he's gonna walk to the cross. His, 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 punishment or, or discipline for the individual that does one talent seems so harsh. Really, Jesus, you're, you're, you're just gonna, you're gonna send him to hell because he, he didn't invest it well? Like, you still have what you were given. You still have it initially. How can you, how can you do that? Well, if we understand, if we understand specifically what Jesus is doing, he, he's not speaking just about money, but he's speaking about the loyalty of our hearts. He's saying if, if the, the one talent individual had been loyal to Christ with that and understood that, that he is who he says he is, that he is good and what he's given me is, is, is exactly what I'm supposed to have, no more, no less, then he would have understood that he can do what he wants to do with that one talent for God's purposes. And he would have seen that. But, but what, what the point is is that the one talent individual wasn't following Jesus. One, one talent person was, was someone that was looked the part, played the part, acted the part. And just like Jesus said in the previous parable, I never knew you. And we can see it in our actions. Now, there's, a, there's an extreme danger to this parable and the way we're talking about this is, is you know, you just, some of you college students just got done with taking exams, you know, finished out your semester, you got your grades. It'd be really easy for us to take this parable and say, okay, well, there's some, like, cosmic spiritual exam going on where God is up there taking grades. Well, in life, on Tuesdays, Bren passed. On Wednesdays, he failed. And, and we're just hoping that in the end, our pass is greater than our fail. That's not how God's grace works. We are in his kingdom as by faith alone. But what he is calling us very clearly, and we have scripture after scripture after scripture, that you are called to live a specific way in light of the fact being a part of his kingdom. This whole, well, I can live however I want, and who cares, and do whatever I want with any of this stuff, it just doesn't matter, is not the way that God calls us to live. A, a scholar, Schweitzer, he, he says it this way. He says, Jesus is saying that a religion concerned only with not doing anything wrong in order that his practitioner may one day stand vindicated ignores the will of God. So if our desire is to just not do anything wrong and not take any risks or any, any purpose, we've missed the will of God because God is calling us very specifically to live for his purposes today. He actually goes into the next parable, the next section, and talks about some of his purposes, and we'll get into that next week. But ultimately, what, it, what does this mean for us today? I feel like, I feel like if we were honest with ourselves, I think it's, it's, a, it's a complete mind shift for most of us. Because every single one of us have fears and, and, and anxiousness. And in fact, a, a friend of mine said it this way. I'm going to just read it. He said, I don't want to be like the one talent guy. He said, but difficult situations and unanswered prayers find me sometimes looking for a shovel rather than expressing thankfulness and seeking opportunity to use what I do have for his glory. And I think 
I think that's, that's what's going to happen. That's what happens to us, is that, is that the life comes in, and we don't even, like, I was reminded after first service that, that suffering is a gift from God too. And understand that the suffering is his as well. He gives us the suffering too, as well as the, the, the talents and the joy and, and all those other things. That's a, those are gifts for us to be used for his kingdom purposes. Well, how, how do we use all of that for his kingdom purposes? I think we have got to stop looking at in such a compartmentalized way. So we're going to do a little practice. I want you guys to do this with me. Everyone clo- close your eyes. I'm not, don't worry, I'm not going to scare you or jump on you or anything like that, okay? I need you to picture the last time you were in the most insanely busy place you can think of. I mean, just like super busy. It's noisy, it's chaotic. If you have kids, your kids are, it's like, let's pretend it's lunchtime and they're starving and, you know, it's taking forever. And so the, the stress of the area is just kind of filling in on you. Right, like you can, you can just feel every single direction. You can, you can, you can just taste the in, like the impatientness of every single person around you. Okay, so you're you're in that spot. Now, now stop looking at outside and look at yourself. What do you feel? You feel anxiety. You're thinking about the meeting you have to get to that you're going to be late for. You're thinking about what's what's next in your life or how how you need to to move from this spot. Right, like you you feel this anxiety, you feel this, this weight lifting in, and then in, in the middle of all that, wherever it is, this place, they come up and tell you after you've been there for who knows how long, hour, 30 minutes, whatever it is, it's been way too long. If you're really impatient like me, it's been maybe four minutes, right? And you're, 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 you're dealing with your impatience, and like someone comes up with a speaker and says, due to a complication, we want to let you all know that it's going to be a double amount more time. You're going to have an hour more, you're going to have 30 minutes more, you're going to have eight minutes more, whatever it may be, you're going to be that much longer what happens in us, right? We start to, we start to boil, right? You start feeling that anxiety. You're like, now I don't even know. Do I just leave? You start going into problem-solving mode. What if, what if we just, just for a second, in the most chaotic situation that you can remember, what if, what if you just saw that as a gift? You can, you can open your eyes. What if, what if that extra 10 minutes was a gift from God? What if God is saying, no, 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 yeah, 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 your kids are hungry. We're going to get them fed, don't worry. But I have you for my purpose. I have you for, for my reason here, and there's, there's an individual that I need you to rub shoulders with. There's someone that I need you to stop looking at everything that you can see right here and branch out just a little bit and say, wait a second, maybe God, maybe God is just asking me very specifically, maybe someone here needs to be prayed for. Maybe someone here needs to needs to hear about the hope of Jesus Christ. See, the problem is, is that when we look at our life, whether it's the $50 bill as my money, whether it's the second hour of whatever day it is as my time, or it's the, this gift was mine and I'm tired of people using it for them, whatever it may be, when we look at it as ours, I believe we miss what God's trying to do altogether. We miss completely his kingdom purposes. And that's what the parable of town says. It's not that we need to be so busy going 100 miles an hour all the stinking time doing stuff for God. It's that we need to slow down. It's that we need to understand that, that God is saying, look, I have, I have purpose for you. And yeah, 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 you, you got a job. Good job. That's awesome. And that, that's not your purpose. No. Okay, you got a family. I'm blessing you with that. That's great. That's not your purpose either. Your family, your job, your money, all of that is mine, and it's for my kingdom purposes. 
See, the problem is, is when we're so busy worrying about us, we get mad when someone takes an extra 10 minutes. When we, when we get so stressed about where we're going to go with our money or what's going to happen, when a, a tire breaks, we, our world, f- or a, a wheel breaks or something, a car breaks, our world falls apart because our hope is in stuff. Our hope is in these things, and, and we don't realize that this is all God's kingdom, His purposes. When we start suffering through a really, really difficult thing, we, we turn our, our backs on God and say, why me? And God goes, no, 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 no. Because I'm going to do something so good with you for my kingdom purposes that you just can't see right now. And I need, I need to refine you a bit because where you are is not ready for it. When we start looking at other people and say, well, why do they get? And why does that person have? And I wish it would be done more this way. And we start doing that. All we're doing is we're saying that, God, what you've given me is not enough. You don't know me well enough, God. How foolish is it of us to say that? God doesn't know us. See, I I think it's a a complete shift of our thinking. And whether it's one, two, three, four, five talents, doesn't matter what it is. Whatever we have, we use for God's purposes. And so in a second, we're going to take an offering. And I'm going to challenge you guys because this is a money idea a difficult thing to hear. I want to challenge you to ask God, what, what, are you, what is he calling you to give? Not what has he called you to give. What is he calling you to give? And so pray about that. And if, it, if, he's, if he's, what he's called you to give is exactly what you're supposed to give, then give and be joyful about it and be, be thankful that he's clearly communicating to you. But outside of the offering, I want, to, I want to challenge you. Some of you guys, you've been burned by individuals. You know, you know what's so weird is that the very excuse that the one talent person said was fear. He says, I was afraid, God, that you would, I was afraid, Master, that you are a hard person, and if I missed it up and this would happen, obviously the Master comes in and says, well, no, that's not true, because if you knew that, you would have done something way more wise with this. He, he projected his own view on God. And God's like, oh, wait, no, no, that's not, that's not how it works. So when, when, you, when you are afraid of operating or taking risks for, for God's purposes and God's kingdom, you're basically saying, God, I just don't think you can handle me. Like, I know, look, I get this whole, like, you created it all and you're king of the universe. But can you really get me through this next season of school? I mean, like, really, that's a lot. I'm asking a lot of you. He's, he's like, what? Why don't you trust me? Trust me with everything. And so maybe some of you, your issue is that you've been burned. I was saying, you've been, you've, you had a talent, you've, it's been used and abused, you felt completely underappreciated. Uh, maybe that happened here, maybe that happened somewhere else, and you've just been like, for that reason alone, you're like, you're like, not only did you bury it in the ground, you're sitting on top of it and hiding it with a lawn chair. No one come near it. Because you're just, you're just I, can't, I can't handle it. And God's saying, what, what are you doing? Get that shovel back out, let's start digging. That's not meant to be down there. I've, I created you to do that, not for the dirt, for my purposes, for my kingdom. Stop hiding from it. Stop running from it. It's not, it's not even for this individual that you think it's for. I may ask you to do something with this individual, but that has nothing to do with that individual and everything to do with your own heart. And what I'm doing is I'm trying to line your heart for my kingdom purposes. And here's the thing, guys. The, the unique thing about both of the individuals, the five talent and the two talent in here, what did they do? They went immediately. Now I looked that up in the Greek and the Hebrew and every other language it could be. You know what that means? Immediately. Okay? 
means that today, don't put off to tomorrow what can be done today. Why wait? And some of you, you're hearing this and you're running 100,000 miles in your mind like, okay, wait, do this, do this, do this. Like you got like a list of 18 billion things that you're gonna do. And, and maybe some of those are from God. Maybe some of you just need to go, wait, maybe God's telling me to sit for a second. Maybe I need him to really bring clarity about what specifically he's calling me to do. And, and he may say, you know what I want you to do? You know what I want you to do, mom? I want you to do this, mom. I want you to, I want you to love your kids. Oh, that's great. What, what else? No, 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 no. Don't worry about the house. I want you to, I want you to just love your kids. Just, just spend some time showing them who I am. Okay, that's, that's awesome, but I'm gonna get the floor say, no, 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 mom. Some of us, we need to be reeled way, way back. Okay, 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 you know what, you know what, you know what, you're, you're, you're working so hard to get a promotion that you kind of forgot some of the other aspects of what my kingdom purposes are. You need to, you need to let this promotion go. And let me, let me bring the promotion to you when I think it's right time for you to have that extra money. Because the last thing God wants to do is give you more money so that you can continue to use more of it for your own purposes and not his. So I don't know where it is for each of us, but I think it's time for us to have a little bit better perspective. Last week when I talked about being ready, I said that really being ready has little to do with what we do and has more to do with the fact that we just need to be looking forward to the celebration of being in the presence of Christ. So what would that look like in us being ready to celebrate in the presence of Christ and us living our lives today for his kingdom purposes? I'll I'll give you the answer. Very similar. In fact, there'd probably be a lot of overlap in everything in our money, in our time, in our families, in our jobs, in absolutely everything. And so my challenge for you guys is this. Would you look at everything you have? Just, just try this, just maybe not today, because you're like, this day's already lost, we fought on the way into church, like, what, it's just like, whatever, I'm out, okay? Maybe tomorrow, not, Mondays are hard, because it's back, okay, so Tuesday, let's just give Tuesday, okay? Would you just say, on this Tuesday, on this day, this 24-hour period, I'm going to look at every single instance in my life, every single interaction, every single conversation, every single thing that catches my eye as a gift from God. And then I'm going to ask him this question. God, what do you want me to do with it? And he may say nothing. I just wanted you to notice it. Or he may say, you know what? I want you to give that back to this person. I want you to get rid of this. And if we view it as his, as hard as it is, we go, okay, it's yours. You're going to want to give that to Emily later. It's not mine to give you. But as hard as it is, we give. Whatever it may be, money or anything else. And that's what the whole premise of this is. And we get so fixated on what is ours and what is someone else. I, I work with my kids on this all the time. You know, my kids are so funny. We don't let them say mine. Like, who's it? It's God's. You know, like, that's, they like say it in that kind of like, oh, it's God's. Okay, it's not mine. But I feel like that's the exact same way I interact with God. Like, God, I, like, I've been, I've been really challenged. One of the things I've been praying about was a little bit more savings for the church over summer because summers are hard. And God has been, like, working on me on this. Come, Brendan, do you need savings to, to, to live? Do, do you trust me? And don't get me wrong. I believe there's, there's wise stewardship and, and, and healthy in this, but, but it's like, where's my hope? Is my hope in the savings account being here or is my hope in Christ and recognizing that he can do anything with anything? I think that's what God is doing. I think sometimes I'm like, well, okay, God, it's yours. Okay. And sometimes he does. Sometimes he has to pull my heart into it. Like I'm a 
super honorary, disobedient punk. But the times when I'm, when I'm able to look at the gifts he's given me and say, oh, these are all yours, it is so much better. The band's gonna come up and we're gonna pray and worship. And, and before we do, I, I wanna encourage you guys, every single minute, 24-hour period, every single minute is a gift from God. We can get into the science of the fact that your body is only being held together because God allows it. Like, that's true too. But every single minute of every single day, every single dollar you have, and I'm not talking about like the, the, the where we, we buy ourselves lunch <laughs> and we're like, oh, thank you, God, for a lunch. That's awesome. That, that's good. I'm talking about the, oh, God, thank you for saving me today for myself. Yeah, thank you, thank you for, for allowing me to breathe. I mean, absolutely everything. And, and, and once we get to a spot where we realize that we can thank him for absolutely everything, we realize that our talents and everything are his anyways. So then it's so much easier to go, it's yours, take it. I don't need it. In fact, I, I would rather have it and use it for your kingdom purposes than have it and bury it in the ground for my own selfish gain. Give him your life. You know what's so unique? As harsh as it sounded for this individual, this one talent person, Jesus says this about this one talent person days before he walks himself to the cross. It seems so harsh. Like how could he, how could he call someone to be separate from him when we take that and zoom out just a little bit and realize that he's calling that just after he did absolutely everything he possibly could as both fully God and fully man to reconcile individuals to God. He's asking for what's his, but he already displayed what he was willing to do to get it. God, thank you for giving everything. God, forgive me for at times uh, so badly wanting to hold on to what you've given me and view it as mine. God, forgive me for believing that my time is mine and that it's not yours. God, I pray that you would uh, relinquish the pride and the control in all of our lives. I pray that you would, you would stifle that out, that you would you'd break us free of it, cut it away. As painful as that is, God, I don't want to walk another day in it. And so, God, I thank you for your work. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for giving us something to do as we long for you to show up and not just sit on a talent but giving us the ability to, to, to bring about your kingdom purposes today on earth as it is in heaven. What a, what a gift, God. And so I pray that you would, you would align our hearts. I pray that specifically, not just, not just this small C church, but your church as a whole would be more on mission, God. Would be more excited and captivated about seeing your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven whether that's through our finances, that's through our time, or that's through the gifts and talents you've given us, God, I pray that we would be more faithfully sold out so that when we can hear, well done, good and faithful servant, we don't have to go, um, God, so that we can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. It's so easy for us to say that we want to hear that but not actually put in the time to do it. So God, I thank you for your word, and I pray, God, as we... As we come before you, I pray that you would remind us and captivate us with your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.